Thanks for joining us for episode 61 of the Golden Blue Nation podcast presented by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com. Nick Farrell here alongside Ryan Decker, who had a unique opportunity this week to catch up with a former Mountaineer star running back. Deck, what's going on? Yeah, so I mean, got the chance this week to talk with former WV running back Letty Brown, who obviously, you know, fans will remember is a great running back. Really statistically, one of the better running backs that West Virginia has had in the 21st century, really. Uh, you know, he's great back here, and he's making his own name, I think, in professional football circles now. So the timeliness aspect of our conversation with Letty is that he's getting ready to suit up for the XFL championship right. game this weekend for the Renegades. Right, yeah. So that championship game is Saturday, May 13th, 8 p.m. on ABC. Should be a good game between the Renegades and Defenders. Uh, two, I mean, I guess two of the best teams in the XFL this season as that league continues to grow and expand and try to get its foothold in the spring football kind of landscape of things, I guess you could say. All right, so give us a little teaser. What what Letty have to say? So, you know, Letty said that actually the XFL is a more fun game than the NFL, I guess, kind of model, which is something you're hearing, I think, from guys in the XFL, is that it's just a different kind of more fun brand of football. But then we also talked about, obviously, his time at WVU, had some really uh, funny things to say about his former running backs coach, Chad Scott, <laughs> specifically uh, pertaining to Chad Scott's age, uh -oh. which I thought were funny. And, you know, obviously with Coach Scott being a good friend of the show, I don't know if we can agree with everything Letty said, but it's certainly interesting to hear, that's for sure. And then also, yeah, one thing I wanted to ask Letty, too, was his advice for the current crop of former WVU athletes, so Dante Stills, Sam James, Bryce Ford Wheaton, what they need to do, their, his biggest piece of advice for them as they try to make a name for themselves in professional football now. All right, let's get to that conversation with former Mountaineer and current renegade Letty Brown right here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast after this quick word from our sponsor. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Unexpected hurdle? Pritt and Spano. Unseen circumstance? Pritt and Spano. Personal injury, criminal law, flash wills, family law. You need a firm that will be with you through it all. Pritt and Spano. Their passionate team will employ their resources and unique perspectives to deliver the most effective representation. When you find yourself in need, turn to those who will fight for you. Pritt and Spano. West Virginia's lawyers. Find them at yourwvlawfirm.com. Joining us now on the Golden Blue Nation podcast is one of the most prolific rushers in WVU football history. He's currently running back for the Arlington Renegades in the XFL, and you'll see him in the XFL championship game on Saturday, May 13th, beginning at 8 o'clock on ABC. It's the one and only Letty Brown. Letty, thanks for joining us so much here. We appreciate it. Uh, how are you? Um, I'm pretty good, Ryan, you know, getting ready for this championship game. Yeah, and what what an honor it is, I'm sure, to play in this XFL championship game as this league continues to expand here as, it, as it's coming back here into the fold. So what wanted to start with this. Just letting, I guess, kind of broadly, give us an update on your career. Obviously, we know you're with Arlington, but what's it been like playing in the XFL this season? Um, playing in the XFL um, has been really fun. A lot of people ask me that question, um, the difference between the NFL and the XFL. I'll just tell them the XFL is just a little, a little bit funner. You know, um, just a little bit with the different uh, rule changes and things like that. 
And so that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is obviously there are some real differences and and the way things happen. There are some differences between the XFL and college football and the NFL. The kickoff, I think, is the one that most people notice kind of right away. For you as a player, you say it's more fun maybe in the XFL. Why is it more fun and which of those differences maybe sticks out to you the most? Um, Definitely the the kickoffs because there's only one level, you know, and – the guy is right in front of you, so it's easier to block, easy to see your blocks better. Um, also, the, the overtime, I really like the over the new the new overtime rules where both teams go back and forth in a shootout. Going back to the kickoffs for a second, I know you've done a little bit of kick returning this year with Arlington, six kick returns, 111 yards for you. How different is it being the return guy when, as you say, all those guys that are trying to tackle tackle you, they're right there in front of you at the start of everything. Yeah. Um, a big difference because I haven't returned anything since high school, I'm going to say. So um, I was just telling my special teams coach, like, I can return kicks. I ain't been back here in a while. They let me do it at West Virginia. I asked, but yeah, they wasn't going for it. Um, But just um, like I was telling you earlier, like, it's way easier to see blocks. It's not too many moving parks because everything is right there in front of you now. So, Luddy, 50 rushes for 179 yards on the year for you so far entering the XFL championship game this year. You've also caught 12 passes and, as I mentioned, six returns. So you're doing a little bit of everything there in the XFL. Um, what, what has it been like for you? I mean, you, you just mentioned that you didn't return kicks in college. Now you're catching balls out of the backfield. You're rushing, too. What's it like putting your hand in all those different facets of the game? Um, is this something that I wasn't able to do in college? And that the NFL scouts didn't see me do. So from from me coming in this, this XFL um, league, I just wanted to show them everything I can do. Either it was punt, punt, return, kickoff, kickoff, return, receiving the ball, catching the ball, um, running the ball. I just wanted to show them everything I can do. Now, one other thing you've been able to do in the XFL is play against and with some former Mountaineers just like yourself. Will Clark, I know, is on your team. You also went up against mm-hmm. Michael Brown uh, in March, and th- there was a great photo of you guys being on the field together. I think it was after the game where he picked you up. What, what's it like yeah. playing both with and against former Mountaineers? And then take us into that picture a little bit of Michael Brown lifting you up there on the field after that game. Uh, so, um, well, me and Mike, like, um, I had – Text him before the game, like after the game, we have to take a picture because me and Mike was really close as I was with all of my linemen at West Virginia. We all had a great relationship. But if you know Mike Brown, like he's just a big loving teddy bear. So after the game, I'm standing around looking for him. And he run up behind me and just give me a bear hug and lift me up. As you see in the picture, his helmet is falling off mid-picture because – He's lifting me up. I'm just like, Mike, put me down. <laughs> put me down. It's nice to see you, too. <laughs> and, but that's great, though. I mean, obviously, Mike was a guy who was really important for you while you were in college. He was up front there blocking for you to see him after the game. I'm sure a lot of emotions but between the two of you as well, right? Yeah, especially with him having two kids now at West Virginia. He only had one, so he, he has two now. So I got to ask about him, his wife, and his family. Um, also, his, his other older brother um that also played for West Virginia gotcha so kind of a family reunion there almost for you then exactly 
Letty Brown's here with us on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Uh, Letty, want to take you back to your WVU career here for a little bit. You graduated with the sixth most rushing yards, sixth most rushing attempts, and eighth most rushing touchdowns in WVU football program history. You had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. When you look back on your time with the Mountaineers, what stands out to you the most? What maybe are you the most proud of in your time with WVU? Um. I would say, like, beyond my stats is the relationship I had with the community, with the people of Mount Mountaineer Nation. Um, you know, my relationship with the fans always been high since since I was getting recruited and just coming to the games. So um, I'm just, I was just happy to build on that. Like, even just me, like, going out around Morgantown, fans be like, can I take a picture? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I, like I like I like that. I like working with um the the kid, different kids at the different fo- football camps, going to the children's hospital, yeah. everything I did to connect with the community at, at West Virginia. Those fans that you mentioned, you know, Mountaineer Nation, obviously it's so strong here and they, they love supporting WVU athletes, WVU sports, whatever it may be. What that connection that you have, I mean, how unique is that? I guess when you talk to guys who played at other colleges, I mean, do you, do you get the sense that's really unique to West Virginia? Yeah, because um, other guys I talked to from different colleges, um, they always ask about like how was that at West Virginia. I heard it was good. I heard the the games is crazy. I heard this. I heard that, and I'd be like, yeah, like that. Everything you heard is true. <laughs> everything you heard is true about West Virginia. <laughs> And also, I mean, I got to ask you this too. You, you, your career at WVU just missed the big NIL window of opportunity. You, you kind of just missed out on that. Obviously, fans are a big part of that. How how great would it have been, I guess, in your mind, to take advantage of NIL opportunities? And, and what what kind of partnerships maybe would you have liked to had while while you were in college? Oh man, I just I, I'm gonna just say this. If I was if I stayed for my fifth year, oh, I'd, I'd have killed them. I'd have killed them with the NIL. <laughs> I'd have killed them. Because <laughs> I had um, records, right? Yeah. I, I had about three three or four deals when it first started, but it wasn't as big as it is now, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know you were you were one of the Toothman guys. So you were at one of the Toothman camps that, that I was at there over in Grafton. And yeah, but I mean, uh, definitely, I think you would have done well in the NIL space if you were still in college, for sure. Um, going back to the field here for a second, you rushed for 150 or more yards four times in your career. You did it twice against Kansas, too. Um, had that long touchdown run against Virginia Tech your, your last season here. Any particular run, any particular game that really stands out to you when you think back on your career with West Virginia? I would say the the, the Virginia Tech game because everybody was doubting us. So I had to show them real quick that we're not in Blacksburg. We're, we're in Morgantown. <laughs> um, that run for sure. And um, it wasn't really like a big highlight run, but my senior year, Iowa State. Uh, I was going to the sideline, and I, like, threw the, threw the DB, like, five yards beyond me going out of bounds. That was, like, a statement there, too. I remember with the Virginia Tech run, you were looking up at the scoreboard or the video board trying to watch who was coming behind you. What, what were you seeing maybe on that Iowa State run you were talking about? Um, Iowa State run, it was just me, me and a DB. 
And I still have the video to this day. Like I watch it be before games and everything. And when I threw him, like the whole sideline just went crazy. Like I didn't score the touchdown, but he flew like five yards. <laughs> so you still watch that play? That that's a play you go back to still, even though you're two years removed from it now. You still go back to that play and watch it. I mean, when you watch it, what do you see out of yourself? I just got to remember where I came from, how hard I worked to get where I'm at now. Does that, I guess, help keep you motivated, I guess, as, as you're playing throughout this XFL season and you still have, you know, pr professional football aspirations, you know, of, of any kind? How big of a motivator is maybe that play or any other place from your college past that you might still look back or think back on? Um, it just showed me, like, like back then, like, I was I was doing it with, with ease. Uh, I, I'll say now. It's a little harder, so I always have to re remind myself, like, this is you. This is what you're capable of. This is what you can do. Now, one of the guys who I'm sure was uh, telling you, look what you can do every day you were out there on the field, Chad Scott, your former running backs coach. He's now the OC here at West Virginia. Um, what, give us a sense. What's it like playing for Chad Scott, and also why is he going to thrive as an offensive coordinator for WVU? G give us some insight on Chad. Um. Being around Coach Scott, like his energy is always high, always high. If if you come in having a bad day, like Coach Scott's gonna make your day, like you're gonna forget what you're mad about, everything. Um also like when you slack, he's not one of those coaches that that yell at you. He's one of those coaches that motivates you. So that's something I feel like he will bring to the table as the offensive coordinator. And I feel like him being the offensive coordinator is well deserved with his relationship with everybody on that team. Everybody, player, coach, staff member, has a relationship with Coach Scott. That's the type of person he is. And I know one of the things that it seems like at least current players really appreciated, I'm sure you appreciated this too, was if you do break off one of those long runs, Chad Scott's running down the field with you guys down the sideline. I mean, did you ever peek over at him down the sideline and see him run and think, oh, man, I got to beat Coach down the sideline here? Did you ever peek over there? No, but I always seen it in in film. Me watching film, like, like, what are you doing? Give us a film breakdown of Chad Scott running down the sideline. What, what, what do you see? What, what good technique do we got there? Oh man, um, I would say knees high for sure. He always got his knees like run, run, running with his knees high. Got a good pad level and real, really explosive to be a man of his age. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's going to appreciate that last part of that analysis there. We, we might leave that one out when we tell him about this later. But, but yeah, I, I think those high knees, you, you can definitely see him getting up there for sure. I, I got some story about Coach Scott that can be off the record. I can just show you all really about his age. There we go. There we Okay. Okay. Um <laughs> I, I, we talked to him too much throughout the year. I don't know if we can uh, keep going on his age like this. I don't, I don't know if he's going to appreciate that. All right, we got Letty Brown here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Uh, Letty, give us your thoughts on this current WVU running back room. Obviously, you were there in 2021 with Jalen Anderson and Justin Johnson. I know you didn't play with C.J. Donaldson, who kind of burst onto the scene last year. Tony Mathis now, who learned under you, no longer with the program. Give us your thoughts on this current WVU running back room and, and what you see out of these guys. Oh, man, that, that running back room now is extra talented. Like way more talent, talented than it was when I was there, including myself. Like way more talent. 
if them guys could really like hone in and listen to everything Coach Scott said, like I did, they're gonna have some big careers. And so you you talk about listening to Chad Scott and I guess taking that in. I know one thing that Tony Mathis talked about a lot was learning from you, trying to take everything you taught him in and, and putting that out on the field. And then Tony, especially last year, he became that veteran presence in the running back room. Your legacy is kind of living on here as being a guy who taught Tony, who then taught the current guys. What, what, I guess, what, what does that mean to you that your legacy at WVU, not only just stats and highlights, but mentality, work ethic, those things are still living on, you know, a couple of years after you've since graduated. What does that mean to you? Um, I love it. I mean, I'm, I play a big part of it because I still talk to those guys at WVU, like Tony and Justin. I have their numbers. So whenever I just scroll on the WVU page, I'm like, what are y'all doing? Y'all don't look right. Like I text him, like y'all need to fix this. Y'all need to fix that. If if it's cold outside, they knew. Like one of my rules was no sleeves. We not gonna wear sleeves in the game. We not gonna wear sleeves in practice. That was one of my. So if, if I go on Instagram and see them out in the cold with sleeves on, I'm like what are y'all doing? You know we don't do that. So, so you're saying the WVU social media people are getting Justin Johnson in trouble because he's wearing sleeves when he's not supposed to. Exactly. I got you. I got you. So, so, so when you text Justin Johnson, I mean, what, what kind of feedback is there? Does he ever text you as a guy who's now been in pro football for a couple of years and, and say, Hey, what can I work on? How can I take my game to the next level? Like you did? Um, nah, that was usually Tony, you know, texting me. But when I text Justin, he just like, okay, big bro. All right. I got you. <laughs> so Justin's more man a few words then, and he's going to probably let it let you see it on the field that he's taken in, right? Is that right? Um, I assume like I will hear more out of Justin now since he's the veteran in the room now. So hopefully, I mean, I know I'm going to be in his ear. Hopefully he'll text me and, and, and talk to me about some things too. Letty Brown here with us on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Letty, uh, wrapping up here with you, we definitely appreciate your time as you get ready for the XFL championship game, which is going to take place on uh, May 13th, this Saturday at 8 o'clock on ABC. Um, Letty, we've obviously mentioned this a couple of times now. You've been in pro football for two years now, uh, had your hand in the NFL. Now, Now you're in the XFL doing great things with the Renegades. You're some of your former teammates, Dante Stills, Bryce Ford Wheaton, Sam James. They're getting their shot at that next level of football. Your biggest piece of advice to them, what they can expect as they try to, you know, stake their claim on an NFL or a pro football roster somewhere here throughout the country. What's your biggest piece of advice to them? Um, Just focus on yourself. Like, be you. Don't get on the field, start thinking too much. Like, football is football at the end of the day. And my route might not be the same as somebody else's route or – Sam, Sam Wright might not be the same as Bryce route. Just focus on themselves, focus on the game, and per- perfecting their craft. That's the main thing I, I can tell them. And how big is it, too, I'm guessing, after you get these opportunities to go in front of whatever it is, an NFL, XFL, coaching staff for the first time, how important is it, too, to not only be yourself but listen to what those guys are telling you, those coaches, and then just put that on display, I'm assuming kind of immediately. How big is that? Um, definitely. Um, always take notes, always be the first one in means and the last one to leave, ask 
ask as many questions as you can. Like, don't stop asking questions. That's what I'm going to say. Ask, ask questions after questions after questions because you will get noticed that way. That's going to have you like, oh, oh, he's asking me all these questions. He must be really serious about this. All right. So ask a lot of questions, doing what we're doing right here, asking a ton of questions. All right, Letty, I definitely appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. And of course, good luck this weekend as you uh, will be playing in the XFL championship game. Great luck this weekend. Appreciate it, Ryan. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Unexpected hurdle? Pritt and Spano. Unseen circumstance? Pritt and Spano. Personal injury, criminal law, flash wills, family law. You need a firm that will be with you through it all. Pritt and Spano. Their passionate team will employ their resources and unique perspectives to deliver the most effective representation. When you find yourself in need, turn to those who will fight for you. Pritt and Spano. West Virginia's lawyers. Find them at yourwvlawfirm.com. Big thanks to Letty Brown for joining us on the Golden Blue Nation podcast this week, presented by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, yourwvlawfirm.com. Uh, Deck, we know Letty was good for a soundbite back when he was a mountaineer, but I'd kill it in the NIL phase, right? I yeah. mean, yeah, that's legit. And he really would have, I think, you know, just missed the big NIL window that you're seeing college athletes uh, be able to take advantage of now. Of course, he was one of the, the Toothman Ford athletes that West Virginia has had a lot of, you know, over the last couple of years. And uh, really the last time I think I spoke with with Letty was at one of those Toothman Ford events in Grafton. But yeah, I, I think we can all agree. Letty would have done very well in the NIL space here in college athletics. So we've been talking football this week on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. If you missed it earlier this week, we dropped an episode episode with Sam James. Angelica Trenone interviewed him as he gets ready to report to the LA Rams. He signed with the Rams shortly after the NFL draft as an undrafted free agent. Uh, but Deck, before we wrap this show up, let's talk baseball. Mountaineers getting ready to host Texas Tech. Six Big 12 games left. Friday, Saturday, Sunday against Texas Tech. Then next Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Texas. Mountaineers have a two-game lead in the conference and J.J. Weatherholt began this week mm -hmm. as the nation's batting average leader, 463, one point better than LSU's Dylan Cruz as of Monday, who his batting average dropped to 462. I mean, wow, the historic season for these Mountaineers just keeps getting better and better, and we hope it continues that way. Right, and so you think of what J.J. Weatherholt's doing. He can be, at least in the modern era of college baseball, WVU's all-time leader in batting average and, and possibly a slew of other things once the season and his career is over. But you look at the team, last year WVU set a program record for Big 12 wins at 14. They could hit that and smash it this weekend with what they have the ability to do against Texas Tech. Already sitting at 13, they could tie it and surpass it this coming weekend. And then you still have a whole other Big 12 series left to play. But, you know, as we look at things going into the postseason now, what's their spotting going to be in the Big 12 tournament? What's their spot going to be nationally in the NCAA tournament and possibly past that regional round, will they have a chance to host in a super regional round? Would or could WVU get there? Yeah, so and not just the Big 12 numbers, the overall numbers approaching history as well. Mm -hmm. Remember that in 2019, the Mountaineers had their most wins under Randy Mazie, winning 38. Mm -hmm. The program record for single season overall wins is 40, yes. set I believe in 1994. Mm -hmm. yep. And so the Mountaineers are super duper close right. and are going to definitely play enough games between what, what's left in the regular season, guaranteed at least two games mm -hmm. at the Big 12 tournament. And if they 
they go on a little bit of a run there, they're definitely going to get to that 38 to 40 mark at this point. Exactly. And you think, you know, as things sit right now, once they get to Arlington for the Big 12 tournament, that first game will be against the worst team mm. in the tournament field. You'd like to think that's a win for WVU. So if you need to find wins in the schedule at this point, you'd like to think that's a win right there that West Virginia can get as you try to look forward to how do you get to 40 and beyond this season and what is as we're saying a historic season for WV baseball so the other thing that's interesting about this weekend is a matchup that's happening away from Morgantown West Virginia entering the weekend plays Texas Tech two-game lead in the Big 12 standings, as we mentioned. The two teams who are in second place right now are Kansas State and Oklahoma State. They play each other this weekend. And so uh, I, I did the math, and I think that even if West Virginia sweeps Texas Tech, it can't outright win the Big 12 this week because those two teams are playing against each other. I probably got to double check that, but uh, I think that the largest lead that they could still have is three games with three to go. Um, yes. So so can't, can't clinch it outright this weekend, but you know, if they have a good result against Texas Tech, those two teams maybe beat up on each other a little bit, and then you have the potential to head to Texas uh, with an opportunity to win win the title outright or at least guarantee yourself a share. So uh, Mountaineers are in extremely good position at this point. For, for sure, and you know, West Virginia has had success against Texas baseball in the past as you move past this weekend to next weekend. Once, and that weekend is probably going to be, as you said, a weekend where you can clinch a Big 12 title. West Virginia has had success in Austin against Texas and also obviously in Morgantown against Texas. So, you know, some might look at the Texas brand of baseball as a national power when it comes to college baseball and say, that's the last team you want to play when you're trying to wrap up a Big 12 title. But historically speaking, it's maybe a team you want to play if you're West Virginia and you have had success against that program throughout the year since moving to the Big 12. All right, so one last thought. We looked this stuff up on Monday when JJ moved into first place in the nation batting average-wise. The program's record for modern-day batting average in a season, which, by the way, they refer to modern day as the post-World War II era in Major League Baseball. So I think we can use the same uh, to, to justify it for college baseball. Is Dan DiBartolomeo, 439 batting average in the 2009 season. That year, Jed Jerko also hit above 400. They had three guys hit above 400 in 2009. Since then, though, they hit above 400 but didn't eclipse 440, right? J.J. at 463 with six regular season games to go is on pace to be the first modern-day Mountaineer to bat above 440. And I know we shared this stat already, the Buster Posey stat. He's right. also, uh, on a larger scale, could become the first Power 5 player since Posey 15 years ago in 2008. He hit 463-ish or maybe 466. It's the exact same average as what J.J. has now. right now. Yeah. He hit, uh, Posey did hit that uh, for Florida State. And so both... Weatherholt and Cruz are on track to be the first guys to do that since Buster Posey. I mean, like you had had Mike Rooney on the podcast recently, and if you haven't heard that yet, uh, you should check it out. I think that everybody's paying attention. Everybody in college baseball is paying attention to what's going on in Morgantown right now, right. but specifically what J.J. is doing, because it seems as each game goes by, as each weekend series passes by, he is becoming a bona fide first-round pick next year when he becomes eligible for the draft. And that's exactly what I was going to lead to, is you know, if you're not a diehard college baseball fan, you might not know that Dylan Cruz, the, the guy that J.J. is kind of battling with, I guess you could say, for the batting average crown this season in college baseball, he's a 
consensus top two pick in this year's college baseball or MLB draft with really his teammate being the only competition for that number one pick and maybe the best high school player available. But moving forward, Weatherhold has clearly put himself in position to next year, the 2024 draft, be in the first round and possibly with another good season, maybe not a 463 type season, but another good season next fall or next spring, I should say, could be in that same conversation that Alec Manoa was in back in 2019, a guy who just steadily got better and that final year when he was draft eligible just took the took the world by storm, kind of. Manoa, the most recent first-round pick that formerly played for the Mountaineers. He was drafted 11th by the Toronto Blue Jays in 2019, tied for the highest ever draft selection of a former Mountaineer. So, of course, we'll keep you updated on all things WVU baseball throughout the weekend and throughout the remainder of the season at GoldenBlueNation.com and on the free Golden Blue Nation app. If you haven't downloaded our app, we invite you to do so now. And stick with us here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast for more interviews and coverage of the baseball team. Make sure you've subscribed on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music so you never miss an episode. Thanks again to Letty Brown of the XFL Renegades for joining us on this edition. For Ryan Decker, I'm Nick Farrell signing off. This has been the Golden Blue Nation podcast presented by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com.